see everyone here this morning. We're going to be continuing our series on the book of Joshua. It's just an amazing book because it portrays the Christian journey in this life as we move from the inheritance that God has for us to possessing it in this life, not just in the life to come. As someone once said, it's not just high in the sky when you die, but it's stake on the plate while you wait. And so God has a blessing for us in this life that will extend into all eternity. And this morning we're going to be looking at one of the stories from Joshua. It has a number of key stories that illustrate the Christian journey and the struggles that we go through and how God has destined us to win the battle and to inherit or possess the inheritance that he has for us. And uh, we're going to be looking at obedience, playing by God's rules. And uh, this sort of struck a bit of a note with me as I was doing this. I was sharing with Glennis this morning that at this time of the year, we tend to have finals. We have the rugby league final and the, the rugby union final. And one of the things that is such a frustration as you watch the game is that sometimes the referee will make a decision, won't they, Willie? And we say, we don't like that decision. It shouldn't go that way. I see it differently. And if you make a, a bad enough error on the field and the referee takes out a card and says, you go off to the sin bin. Well, we're going to be looking about going off to the sin bin this morning if we don't play by God's rules. Uh, God is the one that made the game. He's the referee in the game. And there are times when God will hold up for us a yellow flag and there's time to go to the sin bin to give us time to reflect upon what's happening in our life and hopefully come to a place of repentance so we can get out of the sin bin and get on with the game and win the game as God intends us to. And so we're going to be reading this morning from Joshua uh, chapter 7, verse 19 to 25. And it's the story of a man called Achan. And when they attacked Jericho, God had given a very clear instruction that said, do not take any of the possessions that are there. Everything is to be destroyed. It's to be God's possessions, not yours. And as they went into that place and they won a tremendous victory. And then after that, they decided to go and take on a second city, the city of Ai. And as they went there, they thought, well, there's not many people there. We'll just send a few thousand soldiers out. And they sent them out and they got whopped. And so Joshua's on his face before God, saying, God, what's going on? And God's saying, get up, get up off your face. There's sin in the camp. We're going to be looking at that this morning. Now Joshua said to Achan, when they found out that Achan was the source of the problem, my son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him. Tell me now what you've done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I've done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent, with the silver under it. And Joshua sent messages, messengers and they ran to the tent, and there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, and they brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel. 
and they laid them out before the Lord. And then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. And so all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with the stones. That is a fairly sobering story, but it has a lot to teach us about possessing the inheritance that God has for us, that as we journey in this life, at the very heart of being able to possess the things that God has for you and for me is obedience. God created the game. We play by his rules. Otherwise, we get sent to the sin bin. Otherwise, we're not really in the game. We're out of the game. And as we look at this story, it's a very powerful story of the steps that were taken as Achan moved from a place of obedience to a place of disobedience. And it's interesting, as we look at the journey that anyone may take to move from being an obedient Christian to being a disobedient Christian, these same four steps seem to be there, almost in every case. And so we see for Achan, the four steps, he saw, he coveted, he took, and then he hid. Look at that verse, Joshua 7.21. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of gold uh, weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them. And then the covetousness led to taking them. I took them. And there they are, hidden in the midst of the earth in the tent. And we see these same four steps in a number of other places in Scripture. I want to highlight two others this morning because they illustrate for us, and we'll look at this, the consequences of our sin. What are the consequences of not playing by God's rules? They were quite profound. So we see these four steps for Achan. Let's go back to the very beginning in Genesis. Genesis 3, 6 and 8. When Eve saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, desirable to make one wise, she began to covet it. And she took of its fruit and she ate. And she also gave to her husband with her and he ate. And they heard this, and this is later on after they realized they were naked. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves. The same four steps they saw, they coveted, they took, and then they wanted to hide. Not only just hide from God, they, they covered up their nakedness. They realized they were naked, they were ashamed, they sewed on fig leaves to cover their nakedness, to hide from each other, and they wanted to hide from God. And the world's been trying to hide from God ever since. How sad it is that the steps are there before us. We can see them. We'll look at them this morning. 
We need to understand that these steps are there. The enemy, Satan, seeks to get us on that journey to disobedience. He puts things in front of us that attract our eyes, that begin to bring out a covetousness within us. I want that. I want that. And so we take it and we sin against God and against others. And then the natural inclination is, oh, I've got to hide this. Adam and Eve were scared. They were ashamed. We've got to hide from God. We've got to hide from each other. Achan, when he sinned, he couldn't bring back all of this tremendous treasure and place it at the very front door of his tent and say, well, look at that. He was ashamed. He wanted to hide. He was fearful that others would see his sin. Another example, King David. In 2 Samuel, there are a number of verses there in chapter 11. And it happened in the year, in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants. And David remained in Jerusalem. And then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and he walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. He saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. So obviously he was beholding. And then David sent messages and he took her. And she came to him and he lay with her. Now, she became pregnant. He tried to cover up his sin. A little later on, as Uriah the Hittite, who was very, a very faithful servant of David, came back. David had to somehow hide the sin. And David wrote a letter saying to the leader of the army, set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck down and die. He saw, he coveted, he took, and then he tried to hide the sin that was there. To possess the inheritance God has for us, we must be aware of the the strategy, the tactics of the enemy. And there are some things that we can do. If you think about those steps that are there, when do you think it might have been a, a good time to think about not going that way? And maybe when David was out in the veranda that he, he looked and he saw a, a woman bathing, maybe that was the moment to say, oops, time to turn away, time to flee from this. And we'll look at that in a moment. But there is a strategy that we can implement to help us to flee from the temptation. But as we look at these three examples of being able to possess the inheritance God has, there are various spheres of consequence. There wasn't just a consequence for Eve or for Achan or for David. And each of these stories illustrates a different sphere of consequence for them. Let's look at Eve at the beginning of creation. And the consequence was not just for Eve and for Adam, but it was for all of creation, Genesis 3, 17 and 21. And to Adam he said, not only is there a problem for you, but cursed is the ground on account of you. 
Creation was cursed because of what Adam and Eve did. Everything got messed up from that point on. The Lord God made garments of skin for both Adam and his wife and he clothed them. So an animal was killed. And commentators seem to think that God killed the first animal rather than asking Adam and Eve to kill an animal and cover themselves. That God took the first life there and he took the skins and he covered them up. But the ground was cursed. All of creation was cursed in in upheaval because of the sin of these people. Not just a personal consequence, but a creation-wide consequence. In Romans 8, 19 to 20 and 22, tell us something about that. All creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will... All of creation was subjected to God's curse. Because Adam and Eve were the head of creation, when they sinned, there wasn't just a personal consequence. It flowed out to all creation and every human being that's born into this world is conceived with a sinful nature. We don't commit sins to become a sinner. Because we are a sinner, we commit sins. And there's a real difference. All creation waits eagerly. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. The whole world is such a mess. Just saying to Glennis, I don't know if it was this morning or last night, You look at the news and in in Turkey and Syria and in in Chile, there's battles in the streets and and we went to Barcelona when we went on our holidays and now the streets are filled with people who want a revolution and and you look everywhere in the world, the, the world is in upheaval. The world is groaning, waiting for somebody, for something to break through to resolve the issues. If the world would only realise Jesus Christ has already already resolved the issues by dying on a cross. He's provided an inheritance if we reach out for that inheritance. So there was a consequence at that level of all of creation when even Adam sinned. Let's look at Achan, the main focus of our story this morning. And as they went into Ai, they got defeated. And the children of Israel violated their obligations with regard to the things dedicated for destruction. And the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel and about 3,000 men went up from among them to take Ai. But when they got there, they fled from before the men of Ai. The men of Ai struck down 36 men. They struck them down on the mountains and the hearts of the people melted like water. Because of the sin of Achan when they attacked Jericho, not only was Achan in in trouble, but the whole nation was defeated because of his sin. So Eve's sin had a, a global consequence and Achan's sin had a national consequence. The sin that people commit, that we would commit, 
don't just affect us, they affect our nation. They affect us as God's people. Australia is the way it is. Legalising abortion and moving towards euthanasia and all those things because of the sin of the nation. And we can't just make the nation like it's a, an identity in its own. It's the sin of the individuals in the nation. It's the sin of the people who don't repent of their sin. And Achan committed a sin, but not just Achan. And when I read this, I thought, boy, this is really tough. They took Achan and they stoned him, but his family, his wife, his kids. They took everything that they had, the poor donkey that had no knowledge of anything that was going on, he was stoned and burned. All of their possessions. Why? Because God's seeking to make a point that the consequence of sin is not just for me if I sin, but for those around me, those closest to me, my family, my friends, my nation, all of creation, there's a consequence that's there. And so the nation was affected. Not just Achan, his family, his nation. What about David? I mean, there's a consequence in all these areas, but each, each particular example illustrates a particular consequence. And for David, it was his family. And it says in 2 Samuel 12, 10, Now the sword will never depart from your house, because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. That is sad. These stories are, are very sobering stories. They're stories about the consequence of sin being personal in our family, in our nation, and in our world. Every action of sin has a consequence that's more than we could believe. I'm sure that Adam and Eve couldn't believe the consequence of taking a piece of fruit off a tree and eating it. It sounds almost crazy that it would have such an amazing consequence, such a severe consequence. And it wasn't just that action of taking the fruit or taking the, the treasure or taking another man's wife, as bad as those things are. The magnitude of the consequence was because it was disobedience to God no matter what it was. Irrespective of taking that fruit, or taking the treasure, or taking another man's wife. It was the fact that God had said, don't touch that. Don't, don't eat of the fruit. Don't take of the treasure. And in the law, David knew each of the kings had to write out their own copy of the law. And so David knew, do not covet your neighbor's wife. He didn't play by the rules and was sent to the sin bin. And what is the lesson? Sin has consequences, severe consequences. Even if we think we get away with it. I can't remember the actual numbers, but I remember listening to a report saying that out of all of the murders that happen in a country or the world, there's only a small percentage of those that are solved. Most murders never get solved. They never find the person that perpetrated the murder. And I'm sure that would, would be the case. There are people that have killed somebody and gotten away with it or appeared to get away with it, 
and they've never been brought to justice. Nobody ever found out that that person did the murder. And so they've passed away and generations have passed away and they put it in the cold case file, you know, NCIS, cold case. And the person seems to have gotten away with it. They've hidden their sin and nobody found out. Do you know there'll be a day coming when every human being will stand before God and everything the scripture says that has been attempted to be hidden will be brought into the light. There'll be no place to hide. There'll be nobody else to blame. We will be accountable for the sins that we have committed unless we confess those sins and we're covered with the blood of Christ, we're forgiven. And we know that our sins are forgiven by Jesus. On that day, we will be clothed, and we sang it this morning, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus, and we're forgiven. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. The only thing that gives us hope in this life. Sin has consequences. To in to possess the inheritance God has for us, and we see it in the story of Achan. He missed out. He didn't possess his inheritance because he saw something with his eyes that he coveted, he took it, and he tried to hide it that looked beautiful to him. So what can we learn from this? Well, some keys to playing by the game. So if you're going to play rugby union or rugby league, you have to know the rules. You have to know that if you pass the ball out in front of you like that, that's a forward pass and you'll get a penalty and the other team will score points and you might lose the game. We know that God has given us the rules by which we should live in this life. God sets the rules. What are the keys to playing by the rules of God's game? Well, number one, Using the stories we looked at this morning, look at what you should look at. Don't look at things that you shouldn't look at. Don't look at things that you shouldn't look at. What was Eve looking at? What was Eve? She was looking at something that God said, you can't have that. It's a weird thing about human nature, isn't it? When you say to somebody, and I was with someone the other day, I think it was my daughter, but I don't want to confess her sins, and we were in a store, and under this ornament that was up there, it had a sign, please do not touch. And you know what she did? She went up and she said, I had to do it, Dad. I just touched it. And I said to her, do you know that if the sign wasn't there, we probably wouldn't have touched it? And there are things in life that we know God says, do not touch that thing. Do not go near that thing. Do not look at that thing. Because it's the first step towards missing out on what God has, missing, possessing our inheritance. The first step was we saw. Now, I'm sure that David on the rooftop, if he'd looked down accidentally and he saw a naked woman bathing, he might have said, oh, I've got, to, I've got to move away from this. Flee from the... It says flee from temptation. Flee from temptation. But it wasn't that first look. It was the lingering look. 
It was the second look. It was the look, oh, there's a naked woman. Oh, well, hang on a minute. Did I see correctly? I better stand here for a half hour and just make sure that I'm viewing. It's the lingering look, the second look. There's a wonderful lady teacher called Nancy Beach, and she says this, everything above admiration is really crossing the line into the sin of covetousness. You see, it's all right to appreciate the beauty of something, but there's a difference between appreciating the beauty of something and coveting that something. When faced with temptation, it's the second look that's the problem, whatever the temptation might be. You see that somebody's left their phone on the desk and you think, I haven't got a phone. I'd like that phone. It's the second look at anything that's the problem. Because we notice all sorts of terrible things in life, don't we? We notice all sorts of things that are in the world that we shouldn't touch and we're called to flee those things, but it's the second look that's the problem. Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I will lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. And so when we're faced with a temptation, let the second look be to God. So we might see the, the naked woman bathing down there, and the temptation is to keep looking. But let the second look be to God, say, Lord, give me strength. You know what God's going to say? Get the heck out of there. Don't stay there, move. <laughs> Don't give in to that. If David would have known that the sword will never pass from his family, his kids die by the sword, would he have done that? He abused his power. The second thing, not just look at what we should look at, but be where you should be. Don't be where you shouldn't be. (laughs) Don't be in places you shouldn't be in. We see that David, for example, it happened in the spring of the year, and notice this, at the time when the kings go out to battle, so there was a time in the year, they're a pretty pampered lot. It had to be in springtime because it was too cold in winter. I don't want to go out and kill anybody in winter. It might be cold out there. And so they, they all agreed, let's go out and fight in spring. So in springtime, when all the kings go out to battle, David sent somebody else. And where was David? Oh, he remained in the comfortable palace. And then these fateful words, and they happen a couple of times here, then it happened. Then it happened. Then it happened that he walked out on the veranda. Then it happened that he saw a naked woman bathing. Then it happened that he sent messengers to take her. Then it happened. Well, if you're where you should be, if David would have been at the front of his army because he was a warrior king, if it would have been at the front of his army, that wouldn't have happened. Be where we should be, not where we shouldn't be. Again, why was Eve near the tree? It seems like the account says that the serpent that Satan was speaking through was right there and Eve was right there near the tree. She had to be somewhere there because she took the fruit off the tree. She didn't have go-go gadget arms or anything like that. And so she was right there. What was she doing there? 
Not just look at what you should look at, but be where you should be. Don't go near the thing. If God says that's prohibited, don't go near it. If God says that's Uriah's wife, don't go near her. Those spoils in the city are mine, says the Lord. Do not touch them. What was Achan doing? He should have been killing the inhabitants of the city. That's what God told him to do. But don't touch the other things. So not just look at the things we should look at, but be where we should be. And when we find ourselves sometimes by accident, and maybe David didn't intentionally get up off his bed and say, I'm going to go outside and see if I can see any naked women bathing. He goes out and he says, where's the binoculars? And he's looking... Now, he didn't go out like that. He just got up off his bed. He went out in the veranda on the roof and he accidentally saw something he shouldn't have seen. Or, yeah, it would have been better if he hadn't seen it. But that's the time. After the seeing, before the coveting, that's when we act. Any time later, it's too late. Once we've coveted, it says when sin brings forth a covetousness, we then sin. Because it, it grips our heart. And so it's between when we accidentally see something and when before covetousness grips our heart, that's when we flee from temptation. That's when we say, I should not see this and I should not be here and so I will leave. One Timothy six six and nine and eleven. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare or trap and into many foolish and harmful lusts. There's that covetousness coming in, which drown men in ruin and destruction. But you, man of God, flee these things. Don't flirt with pornography. Don't flirt with anything. Unless it's your own wife. It's okay for me to flirt with Glenys. <laughs> Don't flirt with things that we shouldn't have, whether it's money or power or, or other people. Don't flirt with those things because the ultimate aim will be that we will move from merely seeing them to coveting, the, coveting them. And as soon as that happens, we've got a major problem. It's much harder to get back from there than it is to run away after we've seen. Especially you young people. The world is out there through the media and through all of its propaganda seeking to entice you away from the things of God. As we mentioned last week, those Egyptians keep pursuing us. I don't know if they pursued you during the week. <laughs> they pursue in so many ways we must fight against those things. I'd like to get the team to come up now as I just round off this. Achan, a very sad and pitiful figure, not just for himself but his wife, his children, everything that he had for his nation. Why such a severe penalty for taking something that seems so simple? It's because God is trying to teach us something that we might say, oh, look, it was just a garment, a bit of gold, it was just a bit of fruit. God's saying he sees sin differently than we do. 
We might say, I didn't murder anybody. Because we might say, murdering somebody is really, really bad, but just taking a bit of fruit off a tree or pinching someone's phone, yeah, it's not good, but it's not that bad. No, the whole lot in the sight of God is exactly the same because it's not about the things that are wrong that God says don't do them. It's about the fact that God says don't do it. It's a disobedience to <clears throat> pardon me, the, the person who created the game and made the rules. And so to keep out of the sin bin and keep in the game means to look at the things we should look at and to be where we should be. I want to close with this final verse from uh, Paul's prayer for God's people, for you and for me. Ephesians 1.18, and he prays that the eyes of our heart may be enlightened, that we may know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in us, the saints and among us. Let our eyes be focused on God's inheritance, not the spoils that are part of the world. Let us be where we should be at the time when we should be praying and reading the word and witnessing, at the time when we should be involved in spiritual warfare for our country, when we should be at the front of the army fighting the battle. Let us not say, oh, oh have you ever felt like this? You don't have to put your hands up or anything because I don't want to put you on the spot. Have you ever woken up Sunday morning and thought, oh, I don't want to go to church today? I'm guilty. <laughs> Saying, I, I don't want to go. Thank you, Simon. He just confessed his sins to. There are times we don't feel like some things in life, but it's not about feelings. It's about our duty. David had a duty to be out there at the front of the line. I have a duty to be here to preach the word of God. That's why I'm here. And you have a duty to be there and listen to me. <laughs> whether you like it or not. We have a duty to love our own family and our own husband and wife, not somebody else's. We have a duty to, to, uh, to work hard to provide for our families, not steal money from somebody else. It's our duty, whether we like it or we don't like it. Just again, that the eyes of our heart may be enlightened, that we may know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in and among his people? Let's pray together. Loving Father, we are just so thankful that you've given us examples of how we can move ahead to possess the good things, the riches of your glory, the inheritance in your people and amongst us. I pray that each and every one of us in this week to come, you would help us, Father, to look at the things that we should look at and to be where we should be. Not to look at things that we shouldn't look at and not to be in places we shouldn't be. Lord, I pray that our lives will be a, an example to others around. A good example, not an example like Achan. Father God, fill us with your spirit. Help us to read your word that we may understand the rules of the game so that we can keep out of that sin bin. In your precious name, amen.